What is up, everyone? Thank you so much for joining us for the message of the week here to Blaze Youth Ministries tonight, today, this time. You got Daniel Braxton delivering the word. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so awesome. We know it's going to bless you. Listen up and get ready to receive. Your soul, your body, just like all of God's other creatures that he made, it's the way that you engage with the natural realm. And what I'm doing right now, I'm giving you a picture so that you will see yourself not just as, uh, hope it don't sound weird, not just as a human being or, or um, you're not an animal. You're not just some animal here on the earth, basically. You are a, a human being. You have a spirit. You are a spiritual being. It's this song, I, I don't know off the top um, who sing it, but it, it goes like, I'm not a natural being. Having a spiritual experience, but I'm a spiritual being living in this natural experience. And so that picture is I'm a spiritual being. And I want you to reflect on that as we uh, continue to talk about identify because God is a spirit. John, uh, maybe 424. It talks about how God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, so we talk about the fall and we see in Genesis where Adam and Eve fell in the garden. They disobeyed God and we talk about the fall. So what is the fall? Um, God like I said, created us spirit, soul, and body. And included in our soul is our will. And this the power of choice. We have, God created us with the power to choose. And without a will, it wouldn't be um, the, the intimacy that we get in worship. We wouldn't be able to have that because there's no choice involved in it. In worship, there's a choice involved in I'm going to worship God. I'm going I choose to give him my heart and worship. And we see in Genesis where Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, with their power of choice, with their will, they chose to disobey God. And with that choice, it led to the fall of man. With the fallen nature, it involves a spirit that's separated from God. Um, the scriptures say in Genesis that in the day they ate of the fruit, they would die. And the die that that scripture is talking about was a spiritual death and that they would be separated from the life source that created them, as well as a physical death. Um, in the garden, God had the tree of life and they had the privilege to freely eat of it as they wanted to. And um, I just go to that scripture to read of it. Can we go to Genesis three twenty two through twenty three? Uh, amplified. 
So in the garden, God had given Adam and Eve permission to eat of every tree in the garden, eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it included access to the tree of life. Uh, 2022. And it says, and the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, knowing how to distinguish between good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life as well and eat his fruit and live in this fallen sinful condition forever. Therefore, the Lord sent Adam away from the garden to till and cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So we see that the reason God removed Adam from the garden was because if he in the garden, he had access to the tree of life, which was for immortality. They ate of the tree and they had physical life eternal. And if they were to eat of that fruit in the fallen state, God saw that they would remain in that fallen state. So in his providence, he removed Adam from the garden. So somebody may be wondering, okay, why is, why is Daniel going over this right now? It's important to know the nature of our existence and that every person born following the fall is born with this fallen nature. Every person except Jesus Christ. And we'll get to that, but this fallen nature involves a spirit that's separated from God. So somebody may ask a baby that's never done something wrong. That nature, that sin nature is inherent in their being. And that sin nature, it wants to sin. The soul and body, it wants to practice sin. And it's a need there. It's a need for that sin nature to be dealt with. And again, I'm talking about who are we? Um, and I believe that we're born again believers in here. And the purpose of this book is to help somebody who may have never even begun to hear about the things of God, you know, come to a place. And even now it's relevant, though, to talk about the history of man's existence. Um, Romans 8, 7 through 8 talks about how the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. And that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So where, where's the comforting part about that? The comforting part about it is, is God saw our need even before we realized we had a need. Um, somebody recently pointed out um, how in the garden right after the fall that God he made tunics for Adam and Eve. When they found out they were naked, he, he said, who told you you were naked? And um, in that, was that in here we talked about that somebody? Pastor Rob, yeah. So God even took care of them even when they didn't know they had a need after they sinned. And um, 
that's that's the encouragement we have but that God continued to pursue man even after they sinned against him God continued to pursue that relationship with them um, in Genesis 5:22, it talks about one of the descendants of Adam, Enoch, and it talks about how Enoch walked with God. Um, another descendant of Adam who walked with God is Noah. Anybody know who Noah is? Michael, the only one know who Noah is. <laughs> um, so. We see that God made a covenant with Noah and he saved his family from the destruction that was coming on the earth because of the corruption of sin. The corrupt, the covenant is basically an agreement. God decided to make this agreement with Noah and to save Noah and his family from the destruction and start over again with Noah. The, the way that God worked with man in the old covenant, it's the same way that he works with man today. Only there's a new covenant and it's established on better promises and it's established through Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm getting to in it. Um, this chapter of the book was one of the longest chapters. And so I'm condensing a lot of information and to this message, but I believe that the point will be met um, because we have talked about the creation. We have talked about the fall. Um, so God's covenant. Anybody who can tell me why Jesus came? Lord. To deliver us from sin. So if we didn't have any sin, would, would we need him to have come? Would we have needed him to come? Anybody? No. If we already had it together, it would have been no need for Jesus to come. And so the importance of the life of Jesus and talking about who are we and the importance of talking about the new covenant that was established through Jesus is because it shows us where we are in relation to in relation to God today. God saw our need and he provided he provided for us before we ever realized we even had a need. Jesus came. That's the evidence we have that God loves us, that we're on his heart. You know, John 3.16 is one of the most that I heard, you know, known scriptures, even outside of the church. You know, people know John 3.16. Anybody want to say it for me? Kaden. For God so loved the world that he gave 
Amen. <laughs> the reality that we all face as human beings is that we need God and we are incomplete without him. You know, some people are blinded. The enemy has blinded them to make them feel like they got it all together. Like <laughs> they live life like they live life and that's it. You know, they don't know that there's more to come. Hmm. And then talking, to, talking about our three-part nature, you know, God don't want us to be naturally focused, meaning tending to the things just of our soul and our body. He wants us to be in tune with the spirit in fellowship with his spirit. You know, people who think that way that I just live my life and I'm done, they out of touch with the spirit. It's a bigger picture at hand that involves eternity. Can we put up Acts uh, chapter 17, 24 through 31? You know, people who struggle with identity crisis and misidentification, I believe it stems back to not understanding that we were created by God. Um, a lot of things that are just outright in our society that people are beginning to accept as normal it, it could be easily addressed by looking at the word of God and taking on that picture that God has painted for his creation. You don't have to struggle with a confused identity because God has already said who you are. But it does take a choice on our part to open up ourselves to, to God and <laughs> be changed by him, to let go of the things that we think are important, um, <laughs> the things that we think matter, to let go of those things and see what matters to God. It does take a, a realizing that God has made us. <laughs> God has made us. Pastor Raw gave the example of the clay last week or the Play-Doh. And I, I appreciated that example. You know, I, I went back home and, and did it with my wife. I was like, hey, look at this example I got. But he had the Play-Doh and he, he gave it out for y'all who was in junior high. Y'all didn't get to see it. But he gave the Play-Doh out and he told everybody to shape some. And we we made different stuff, you know, and at the end we stopped and he said, okay, I want you to look at what you have and, and see what you have made. 
And he said, notice that I made a ball out of mine. So basically he said, notice that your ball isn't over here trying to be a star or it isn't trying to be a snowman with some of the stuff that people make. It, it was made what it was supposed to be because that's what I made it. <laughs> the same way with us and God. We don't have to go trying to be this or that. God has made us who we are. And if we just acknowledge who we are through his word that tells us who we are, <laughs> it, it saves a lot of pain and some of the confusion that comes for other reasons. Um, we, in Acts 17, 24, either version is fine. Uh, Nick. It says, the God who produced and formed the world and all things in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in handmade shrines. Neither is he served by human hands as though he lacked anything, for it is he himself who gives life and breath and all things to all people. And he made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allotted periods of time. He determined when, what time frame they would live in um, and the fixed boundaries of their habitations. God already knew where you was supposed to live at, their settlements, their lands, their abodes so that they should seek God and hope that they might find him and hope that they may feel after him and find him, although he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, <laughs> even as some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since then we are God's offsprings, we are not supposed that the Godhead, the deity, is like gold or silver or the nature of representation by human art and imagination. We shouldn't think that God is something that we have created in our own mind. Uh, can we go back to that? Um, oh, OK, we go to the next. Such form of ages of ignorance, God. It is true he ignored and allowed to pass unnoticed, but now he charges all people everywhere to repent, to change their minds for the better and heartily amend their ways with abhorrence or hatred, disgust for their past sins. Because he has fixed the day when he will judge the world righteously, justly by a man whom he is destined and appointed for that task who is Jesus, and he has made this credible and given conviction and assurance and evidence to everybody by raising him from the dead. It's so much in that line of scripture. But in breaking it down, God is our creator. We are his creation. We cre created independence on him, and it's not the other way around. He gives to all life, breath, and all things. And the word says that our hope is to reach out and feel for him in hopes that we might find him 
though he is not far from each and every one of us. And as I was talking about when we started, God created us with a piece of him inside of us, that that breath of life. He's not far from each and every one of us. It's a heart matter where we where we want more God, where we choose to have more God. It's an, a, an adjusting of our soul and our body, the natural part of us and giving that to our spirit who is who identifies with God and saying, God, I want more of you. I want to be like you. I want to identify as your child. And that scripture says he he is not far from each one of us. That means he will be found by you if you seek him. That's an encouragement that anybody could have. If you if you genuinely adjust your heart to seek God, you will find him. That's that's awesome. Glory to God. In verse 28 and 29 of that same scripture, it says that we are God's offspring. Um, meaning we are his descendants and his production. So can we put up Luke um, 23, 38? In this line of scripture, it gives the genealogy or the uh, family history leading from Jesus all the way back to Adam. And in verse 38, it refers. Oh, I, I must have got my. I got my scripture wrong. Oh. Yeah, bear with me just a minute. Adam, the son of God. It's 323. Can we try Luke 323? Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Pastor Cole. Uh, 38, I mean. It's all good. And so uh, starting at verse 23, it talks about the family history of Jesus. And it goes all the way from verse 23 to verse 38, naming different people that are in that line. And it traces all the way back to Adam. And here it refers to Adam as the son of God. And that's what I want to draw y'all attention to. It says Adam, the son of God. Adam wasn't born of a woman. Adam was made from the earth by God and God breathed his life into him. So Adam was created by God, but still this scripture refers to him as the son of God. So in the sense that he was created by God and God gave a piece of himself to Adam in his creation, that's the sense that it's referring to Adam as the son of God. And every man Every human being in this sense is a created son of God. And from that place, um, we could draw attention that 
Jesus is the only begotten son of God. Uh, he was actually conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb and born of a woman. And so in that sense, every man is, is not a son of God. But through Jesus, it's available to every man to become a son of God through adoption, the, the spiritual adoption. And so I just want to make that point. Uh, because going into the next chapter, when we talk about the new birth and adoption, it'll it'll uh, it'll make a difference in that. And so I'm coming to a close, but I really it's really on my heart to drive home the point that um, if you find it hard for you to get in when we worship. Uh, if you don't really see a reason to to worship God, um, this is encouragement to you because He is Creator. Mm. You know, a lot of things that happen in our society nowadays could be addressed through a respect for for people. Yes, but for God, if people had a greater respect for who God is, and I'm going to share each one of these scriptures that that's enclosed this chapter and it um, will close out. Um, Psalms 100 verse three. If we could do it in the new King, all of these in the new King James, that'll that'll be helped. Thank you, Lord. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Uh, Psalms 139, 13, and we'll read through 18. And again, these these are reflecting on being God's creation, seeing the relationship that we have as his creation and him as God. It says, for you form our inward parts. You covered, wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame, my bones was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest places of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me. God knew our days before we even lived them. Our names, he knew and recorded. When is yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Talk about somebody who's struggling with identity, how that scripture would minister to them. The, that person who feels lonely, like they have, like nobody is thinking of them, like 
nobody cares about them and, and just are doing whatever um, with their life, not valuing their life. That scripture says that God's thoughts <laughs> are more in number for them than the sand. Can we go to Jeremiah uh, 1, 5? Thank you. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. And the last one is Matthew 10, 30. And this one, he, he ministered to me today. Um, and I added it to the book as I was writing it or writing, getting prepared. It says, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered. God knows you. Each and every one of you in this room, God knows you. And the question of this chapter is, who are we? And I, I believe that what I share tonight will help you in identifying yourself as in life um, as a child of God. Um, glory to God. Don't ever feel like you're not good enough. Don't ever feel like it's not worth it. Don't feel like you have to act out to gain attention. You already have God, the creator. His eyes is on you. I like to get every eye closed and every head bowed. Thank you, Lord God. If, if you have been questioning and, and just wrestling in your heart about, you know, who am I? What's, what's God's plan for me? Um, I want you to just slip up your hand and I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out or nothing like that. I'm just going to pray for you. I want you to just slip your hand up at me. If there's been something for you and don't be ashamed because it matters. I see that hand. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's this song of mine that I wrote and it encouraged me when, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling like when I'm, when I have questions, when I'm feeling like I'm not good enough or when it's challenging to go on, it's called a reason. And God has a purpose for your life. And I, I have to remind myself, those hands that I saw, I know that you know God. Hallelujah. But to know God don't mean we don't 
face stuff. We have to learn how to deal with stuff and address stuff. And so I just want to encourage you when you get those kind of thoughts, find what encourages you about God. Even if it's one of these scriptures that you have to repeat to yourself that you say, God, you said the number of my hairs are all numbered. Your thoughts toward me are more in number than the sand. You remind yourself of who God says you are to him because you are precious in his sight. I hope that message inspired you and encouraged you today. We want to remind you to follow us on all social media platforms at We Are Ablaze and be sure to check out the previous parts of Identify by Daniel Braxton on our podcast.